Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Fall is just around the corner in just a few days, as a matter of fact, September 22nd. Still, here in the West and even in other parts of the country, more heat waves are in the forecast. How can you protect your backyard vegetables and grapes from more onslaughts of temperatures in the 90s and above? We have some tips. The black widow spider. Is it a friend or foe in your garden? Debbie Flower, America's favorite retired college horticulture professor, answers with a resounding, it depends. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Here in California, we have just went through a period of record-breaking heat, setting new records here in the Sacramento area. High temperature, all-time high temperature of 116 degrees, but it was a case of eight or nine days in a row where the temperatures were well above 100 degrees. What's a gardener to do when they go through a big bout of heat like that? What happens in the garden? What can you do to help your garden out? Let's talk with master gardener and vegetable expert Gail Pothauer about your garden and the heat. Now, we're here at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center and standing next to their beautiful raised beds. And I'm just looking around and I see plants that have browning on them, but that could just be the natural time of the year. We're here in uh, early September and, and things are starting to, to croak in early September among the annuals, but I see some unusual browning as well. Yeah, the, the plants have sort of given their all this summer. It has been a really a torturous summer for the vegetable plants. And I know that probably one you're referring to is the, on this trellis, This uh, we have a vining baby spaghetti squash and it's just normal. It's at the end of its life. It's ready to pick all of the the mature spaghetti squash on it. But we have had a lot of sunburning. Um, we have basil that has sunburned. We have peppers, a lot of sunburn on the peppers, even though we've shaded them. We have had such a big crop this year that we <laughs> weren't able to shade everything. A lot of the fruit was outside. But tomatoes are looking a little sad. We're starting to take them out. And um, what else? Oh, peppers um, say that they're, they're still doing great. Um, we'll be taking them out shortly. Eggplants looking good. We have flea beetle damage on the eggplant, but the plant themselves look pretty good. Yeah, when it comes to heat, uh, there isn't much a gardener can do, and, and unfortunately, they may uh, overwater the plant as a result. Depends on your soil, if it retains water or lets it flow through, like these raised beds uh, would allow the water to flow through. But have you changed your watering regimen with the bout of heat we had? Yes, and we've seen the consequences of that. We do have our raised beds and all of our containers on drip irrigation. The containers come on every day just for five minutes or so. And the raised beds, I'm not sure what the schedule is, but several times a week. But on our two work days that we have um, during the week, we've also been hand-watering them. And we've seen some of the consequences of that. I think it's too much water. We've had winter squash that have split. 
And so that's my first indication that we've probably watered too much. Well, it looks like uh, it was a good job with the barrels with uh, five minutes a day because uh, the plants I'm looking at that are in uh, the half barrels, there's tomatoes and zinnias and a squash. Uh, they look pretty good. Yeah, they do. We also have been hand watering them just in anticipation of the triple digits that we've had. Um, we'll probably be cutting back on that now because we're supposed to be in the upper 80s this week. I'm so excited. We've all had our fill of this triple digit heat. Yeah, and as if the heat wasn't enough, uh, we have wildfires in our area that are sending smoke this way, and that also can have an adverse effect on the garden. What's a gardener to do if uh, they notice ash? Wash it off. There will be probably a lot of ash on our foliage this year and on the fruit because we do have a fire that's not too far away. So we'll be sure to wash everything before we um, eat it, you know, prepare it. We'll wash off the foliage kind of after the smoke dissipates. But um, that could also help with the spider mite problem that we have. It's been so dry and dusty, and that's perfect for spider mites. So washing off the foliage would help there, too. Well, one of the advantages of doing that overhead watering of your plants every now and then, it, it brings you closer to the plant and you can notice other things that maybe you didn't notice before, certain uh, pest problems, for example. Oh, yeah, like all those nymphs we've been catching of the southern green stink bug. Oh, they've been going crazy this year. We also have uh, an infestation now of leaf-footed bugs. It didn't hit until just the last few weeks, but we've had stink bugs all summer. So with changes in climate, I'm not a climate change denier. There's a change going on. It's getting warmer and for longer periods of time. Are you having second thoughts about placement of crops in the garden? Are you thinking maybe things need more shade now or anything like that? Well, not so much that. Um, we decide what goes in what bed based on what was there before. And all the beds are full sun. Yeah, they're all full a full sun. And what we're doing is providing more shade for them. So we have a lot of um, the floating row cover that we use for shade cloth. We might think about um, having more of a permanent structure, something that we could move, but maybe out of PVC or something where we could put actual shade cloth over it because you can get you know higher densities that would shade better. Yeah, and but you probably don't want it too close, especially shade cloth, too close to the plant. That could create a heat situation. Right, and what we would do is um, if it's PVC frame or whatever we construct, we would have it high enough that there would be good air circulation because that's another thing. You want good air circulation so you don't get some uh, diseases like powdery mildew, things like that. What a lot of people may not know about row covers is it comes in different weight, and for shade protection in the summertime, I would think you'd want a very lightweight row cover as opposed to wintertime and you're protecting your citrus, for example, you may want a heavier row cover. Right. There's five or six or maybe even more uh, different weights of the uh, the row cover. We use one that's uh, lighter. It doesn't last more than a couple of seasons, unfortunately, because it's if you've, if you've ever sewn, it's like interfacing. So it's that lightweight material that tears easily. And if we need to have frost protection, which we might, we haven't the last few years, but you never know. Um, there are some heavier weights that we can use for frost protection. Yeah, it's it's hot, it's smoky, but somehow our garden adapts to it, and we can help it adapt too. Gail Pothauer is a master gardener here in Sacramento County, vegetable expert extraordinaire. Gail, thank you so much. Thank you, Fred. You've heard me talk about the benefits of Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric container. Smart Pots are sold around the world and are proudly made 100% right here in the USA. Smart Pots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. 
Many of the imitators are selling cheaply made fabric pots that fall apart quickly. Not smart pots. There are satisfied smart pot owners who have been using the same smart pots for over a decade, actually approaching 20 years. When you choose smart pot fabric containers, you know you'll be having a superior growing experience with the best product on the market. And your plants will appreciate smart pots too. Because of the 1 million microscopic holes in smart pots, your soil will have better drainage and the roots will be healthier. They won't be going round and round on the outside of the soil ball like you see in so many plastic pots. The air pruning qualities of smart pots creates more branching of the roots, filling more of the usable soil in the smart pot. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your Smart Pot order by using the coupon code FRED. Use it at checkout from the Smart Pot store. Visit smartpots.com slash FRED for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer FRED 10% discount. Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. We like to answer your questions here on the Garden Basics podcast, and we bring in Debbie Flower, our favorite retired horticultural college professor, to help us out with this. And Debbie, Cindy writes in and says, I have a question about black widow spiders. I have a couple of those big girls next to my house. They're not in the garden. They seem to be getting rid of other unwanted pests. So what are your thoughts? We don't have young children at home, but when our grandkids come over, I will kill them, but new ones will take their place. I hope she's not referring to the grandchildren that she's going to kill. (laughs) (laughs) So black widow spiders, do they have a role in the garden? Yeah, they do. Spiders in general have a role in the garden, and they are, I consider them good guys in the garden because they catch other things and eat them. Uh, they're not discriminatory. You know, if they see a, 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 if a green lacewing, for instance, flies into a spider web, the spider will eat it just as readily as it will eat um, something that, like a cabbage moth, um, that that we don't want in the garden. So the cabbage moth we don't want. The green lacewing we do want as a beneficial in the garden. So they're not discriminatory that way, but they are pretty efficient uh, insect killers. You know, things that like. Anything that flies will get into the trap and and they will uh, consume that. Black widows happen to be something we have. We have the Western black widow out here and they can bite humans and they can hurt. They can cause a pinprick in our skin and, and it can be painful. They are not known to kill people. When they're around my front door or uh, around a, a pot, uh, I, I will kill them and I will wear gloves when I'm handling Things in situations where I think black widows are potentially going to bite me. I don't think they would hurt me, you know, down the road. They're not going to cause my fingers to fall off or anything, but it would be painful. There is a, a uh, what's it called? Antidote. There's an antidote to black widow uh, venom, but it is, as I understand, made from something from horses and so doctors don't always want to give it to humans because maybe the humans are allergic to the horse part. Uh, so 
my understanding is doctors really don't do a lot for you if you have a black widow spider bite. In other parts of the country, there are other poisonous spiders that, that live in similar situations amongst the plants, amongst the potted plants, in the wood pile, that kind of thing. Spiders in general being good in the garden, I don't want to disturb them much, but I do want to protect myself by wearing gloves, and that's what I would recommend others do. And if you find them near the house, stomp them. Right. It's an easy way to kill them. All they're, right. They're not necessarily fast. Uh, they hide in places, little crevices, when when uh, they're not out uh, working on their web or, or or taking care of their prey. So they might be in places where you don't see them right up front. But yes, stepping on them is a very efficient way to get rid of them. And we should point out, too, that if you are doing anything where you're moving things that haven't been moved in a while, like a wood pile or old patio furniture or old uh, plant pots that are piled up behind the garage, wear gloves and long sleeves. Absolutely. Yes. Protect yourself. Garden spiders have a role, but that role isn't near your house. Right. Debbie Flower, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Always a pleasure, Fred. You want to start the backyard fruit and nut orchard of your dreams, but maybe you don't know where to begin. Or maybe you're currently growing fruit and nut trees and you've got a million questions, such as what are the tastiest fruits to grow? Where can I go to buy some of these delectable fruit and nut trees you've been reading about? And then how do you care for all of these trees, including planting, pruning, and harvesting? I've got one online stop in mind for you where all these questions you might have will get answered. It's DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest wholesaler of fruit and nut trees for the backyard garden. They have planting tips, taste test results, and links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Click on the Home Garden tab at DaveWilson.com for all of these links, including a link to their years of informative videos about growing fruit and nut trees that they've posted on the Dave Wilson Nursery YouTube channel. Start the backyard orchard of your dreams at DaveWilson.com. Here at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, they're trying new varieties or old varieties of grapevines, both table grapes and wine grapes, to find those that are more disease resistant. We're talking with Catherine Barquette, Master Gardener here in Sacramento County. She's in charge of the of the grapes here, beautiful trellises and new varieties. Now, tell us about these new varieties and why they were chosen. Hi, Fred. We have been looking for varieties of grapes that don't require a lot of uh, spray and are somewhat resistant to powdery mildew, which is a very common problem here in Sacramento, as well as other diseases of grapes. And we've looked all over the United States for, for different cultivars. Some are coming out of the University of Arkansas. They have a really good program there for um, growing disease-resistant grapes. And so we've selected five new ones, which are all now, I would say, between um, two and three years old. There's a crystal, which is a green grape. It has seeds, and it's excellent for home use. It makes delicious white grape juice and also jams. That's crystal. Crystal. And that, by the way, is a very old vine. We have hope, 
which is green, has no seeds, also excellent for home use, and it's thick-skinned and very high yield with sort of a medium-sized berry. Mars is mildew-resistant, very good for jam, has kind of um, conquered, has that conquered flavor to it. Is it seeded? That one has no seeds, and it's kind of a bluish-red color. It's interesting. September-October ripening, so if you're looking for something that ripens late in the season, that would be a good one. Um, Mission. Mission is a really interesting wine. Uh, it came out of uh, Spain initially and was brought to Mexico and is grown in Mexico. And then the Catholic priest brought it to California, and they grew it in every mission in California. Hence the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was used for their sacramental wine, for uh, a kind of a red table wine, and also a fortified wine. And it does have seeds. That one does have seeds. And it actually, I read on Wikipedia that before Prohibition, this grape vine in California produced 30 million gallons of wine. That's a lot of hooch. <laughs> uh, during Prohibition, it, it suffered badly because, first of all, the vines were neglected because you couldn't make wine anymore. And Prohibitionists evidently were coming around destroying uh, farmers' um, vineyards. And one creative uh, farmer planted sagebrush all around his vineyard to camouflage it. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, Reliance, which is a very uh, vigorous vine, excellent for home use, and uh, that does not have seeds, and it's kind of a pink color, which is fun. Is that a, a wine grape or a table grape? Reliance is a table grape, but a lot of these new vines were used in winemaking. Crystal, Mars, Mission, uh, I think Reliance was used also in, uh, in wine ma- making. So these vines, because they're resistant to powdery mildew, you don't have to spray as much or as often. Some of them you can get by without spraying at all, as we did this year. We used no spray. And since powdery mildew does not like the heat when it gets over 95 degrees, we got a little break there and, uh, the vines did very well, even with no spraying. It looks like some of the leaves here would disagree with you on that. Our vines are definitely suffering from sunburn or sunscald, and I'm sure that uh, our home uh, vintners are finding the same problem. You can, uh, in some cases, erect some some shade for that. But one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to cut off the burned leaves. They don't look good, but they do provide a little bit of shade for the leaves that are growing underneath. That, and the leaf is still photosynthesizing despite the brown portions of the leaf. There's still green portions on the leaf, and they're still working. Exactly, and that's true for any plant right now. Don't print roses, whatever. Don't prune off the, the dead leaves just yet. Well, as a matter of fact, there's a very good example of what we're talking about standing uh, nearby. There's a Stella cherry on a trellis uh, off to our left, if you're looking at your phone. And this side, which faces the sun, the leaves are turning brown. Walk around to the other side, the north side, the leaves are all green. Heat damage. 
That's right. And speaking of heat, another thing to think about if you're putting in new vines is looking for vines that grow well in the heat. Mars, for example, is one that can really tolerate the heat. And so you can check uh, online or you can check with local vintners, can tell you uh, which of their vines are, are heat resistant. Yeah, exactly. It's something we're going to have to contend with. Shade cloths are a great idea. You would suspend them fairly high over the plant because you don't want to roast the plant with a cloth that's too close. Uh, shade cloths come in a variety of, of thicknesses t- depending on how much shade you want. And I think maybe that's the way we're going that these plants that we used to think were full sun, maybe a little bit of afternoon shade might help them in the future. That's true. This actually might open up some spots in your garden where you could put grapes and the netting that we use to keep out the critters uh, when the when the um, clusters are ripening, that also provides a little bit of shade. So you might want to leave that on longer. I notice on one of the uh, plants here, it is the, the Merlot, there are still a couple of clusters of, of small grapes on there, but it looks like there are bags around them. We use organza bags on individual clusters of grapes. This is a good idea if you if you don't have a lot of grapes. Maybe you just have one or two vines, and the birds keep getting them. A flock of turkeys will come in and just strip that whole vine, excuse me, overnight. You take the organza bag. These are uh, 12 by 14. You get them online, and you lift them under the cluster and then tie them at the top. At home, I put two bags on because I have rather tenacious chipmunks and squirrels and things. So and these aren't plastic bags. This is more of a nylon mesh? Yes, it is, and it, it is reusable. I use them on my figs as well, and, and they get really sticky sometimes because figs will ooze the sap. And so I just throw them in the washing machine, and then you use them again next year. They'll last about three years unless... Um, a rat chews right through one, which some of the, sometimes they do. Those are pretty good-sized bags, too. They're about 12 inches by 12 inches, unlike a lot of uh, fruit bags that you can buy online, which are maybe half that size. So it'd be easier to get a, a cluster of grapes inside a bag that's 12 by 12. And again, you said the name is organza. Organza. Yeah, that's the fabric. So it's an organza bag. It's uh, sold at party stores. They're used as a kind of a decorative um, look to a present. You know. All right, we'll have more information about that in the, in the show notes. Grapes, new grapes, and old grapes, too, that are making a comeback because of their disease resistance. Catherine Barquette, Sacramento County Master Gardener and Grapehead, thank you so much. Thank you, Fred. If you listen to our conversation with Dr. Laura Verich from FreshPhysician.com about healthy gardening, you heard the term phytonutrients. What are phytonutrients? Not only are they nutrients that protect the plant, they can protect you, too. That's the topic for Friday's Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter and podcast. Dr. Verich does a deep dive into the phytonutrients that are in homegrown crops. Find a subscription link to the newsletter in today's show notes or visit our website, GardenBasics.net. That's where you can sign up to have the free Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter and podcast delivered to your inbox each Friday. Also at GardenBasics.net, you can listen to any of our previous editions of the Garden Basics podcast, as well as read a transcript of the podcast episode that you're listening to now. 
For current newsletter subscribers, look for all about phytonutrients in the next Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. It's coming out the morning of Friday, September 16th. It'll be in your email. Take a deeper dive into gardening with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. And it's free. Find the link in today's show notes or at GardenBasics.net. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Garden Basics, it's available wherever podcasts are handed out. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, GardenBasics.net. And that's where you can find out about the free Garden Basics newsletter, Beyond the Basics. And thank you so much for listening.